Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, and thanks for joining me for another great episode. Today, I'm excited because we are going to talk about a really unique application of mediation. And specifically, we're going to talk about the Mediation Response Unit, which is a program out of the Dayton Mediation Center, where they are providing mediation as an alternative response to low emergent 911 calls. And I'm so excited for today's guest. Today's guest is Raven Cruz Loiza. And Raven is the Mediation Response Coordinator of the newly developed Mediation Response Unit at the Dayton Mediation Center located in Dayton, Ohio which is also known as the MRU. And the MRU is derived from the City of Dayton's police reform initiatives and is in place to provide the community of Dayton with on-scene alternate response options for nonviolent incidences that arise. By way of background, Raven has two decades of experience working in law enforcement, children's services, juvenile probation, and victim services. Raven is a licensed social worker who holds a master's degree in social work from the University of Louisville as well as a bachelor degree in social work and a bachelor in criminal justice from Wright State University. Raven is also a registered advocate in the state of Ohio. So with that, hey Raven, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast and thanks for being here today. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I am really excited to learn about the Mediation Response Unit and I should share for our listeners and, and I can't remember if I've shared with you too, but uh, the way that I heard about the Mediation Response Unit at the Dayton Mediation Center was actually through an article I just happened to see online. And so I'm really excited to be able to learn more today. And I thought the way maybe we could kick things off is, you know, can you just talk a little bit about the Dayton Mediation Center and how the Mediation Response Unit uh, came about? Absolutely. I'm excited to tell you, actually. So we are a City of Dayton program under the umbrella of the Dayton Mediation Center. So the Dayton Mediation Center has been around since the 80s, has been very innovative um, on lots of different levels and has been active in the community, has an established foundation here in the City of Dayton and has really done some great work. And the city when they were starting these police reform talks after the murder of George Floyd. If you can recall in 2020 there were a lot of conversations that were um, having that were going on about police reform and things like that and the city of Dayton started those talks as well but they actually put a little bit of action behind that as well as you know other cities across the nation. I can only speak to ours though. So from those conversations, there were some working groups that were formulated. And from the working groups, um, there were 142 recommendations for some changes with our local police department. And of the 142 um, recommendations, three of those were different programs. One is a police complaint program that's held outside of the Dayton Police Department. There is a mental health crisis response team that is not yet um, active on the streets, but they would be responding to mental health crises in the community. And then the alternative response team or mediation response team, which is my program. So that's how, how this program developed and why it is under Dayton Mediation Center. And um, 
utilizing, we're just utilizing the resources that are here in the city already. That's really interesting. And, and can you talk a little bit more about, you've hit on this a little bit already, but can you talk a little bit more about the purpose of the program and how the program works? Absolutely. So the big picture goal of this program is to work on improving community police relations. And to do that, we would like, we're offering um, alternatives to police response in our community um, for those lower emergent 911 and police calls as well as reducing the number of 911 calls for certain lower emergent situations um, that may not necessarily need police involvement or may not necessarily be criminal, um, but conflict-based type of calls. And then it also allows for officers to take um, their, or to, to be quicker at responding to those higher emergent calls, as well as give them a little bit of breathing room in between their back-to-back-to-back calls because oftentimes law enforcement are responding, they could be responding to a neighbor dispute and then go to a homicide and then they're going to a robbery and then they have a traffic complaint and then they're back at at a parking complaint type of thing. So kind of try to alleviate some of those calls and bridge gaps so that people can receive services. Yeah, that sounds really valuable. And, you know, I was reading on the MRU website that some services under the program are provided over the phone and others are on scene. Can you describe those services a little bit? Yes. So because this is this is a first in the nation pilot program, there are lots of programs across the United States in which there's co-response, community responders with police, mental health clinicians with police, um, and other various types of programs, but this is the, un- the unique piece about our program is that we are not co-responding. We are responding in place of. So um, in order to make that work and be effective, what we're doing is we're really changing a system or a series of systems that's been in place for a few decades. Our calls currently come through the 911 and non-police um, dispatch, uh, like. 911 calls and non-police calls that are all answered by a regional dispatch center. So our calls um, come through. For example, if you and I were neighbors and we've been arguing back and forth over trash cans and dog feces and kids and other different things, and we've just been this has been going on for a few months, and you're you're really just tired of me. And today I must have done something to really make you angry. So you're calling 911 because you want something done. So what it, how it's set up is if you're calling 911 after the dispatcher's done some screening, identify there's no weapons involved, there's no history of extreme violence, then it would be a, appropriate for the mediation response unit, MRU, and they will connect you, the caller, to my call taker here at the center. And then the, the call taker will attempt to diffuse things over the phone and kind of gather more information. And if it's something that warrants an in-person response, then a two-person team is dispatched to the scene, just like police are dispatched to the scene for calls. That's interesting. And that makes sense. And, you know, I know by way of background, I know that the Dayton Mediation Center is um, you guys use the transformative mediation style and so i'm curious when you have that team of two people that go out for on-scene assistance i mean what is what does the mediation look like and are you guys still using that transformative style can you talk a little bit about how that works 
Yeah, so this is a interesting because if you're familiar with some of the mediation types across the nation, it's oftentimes bringing two parties into a neutral or controlled setting to have a conversation and kind of figure out what's going on um, and then allow safe spaces for parties to clearly and, and, and to, to, to communicate and then also to decide what they want to do about whatever the, the challenge or challenges are. So we're doing the same thing, only initially when we're responding on scene and in the community, we're doing more of crisis response intervention um, at first because we first have to de-escalate. We have to make sure that if you're familiar with like the neurobiology of trauma, we have to take them from, from their survival brain to their logic brain. Um, so we have to get them out of that crises um, and into a place where they can make some of those decisions and, and different things and really try to clearly figure out what is it that I want to happen today and what is it that I want to happen for the future. So it is a, a unique combination of both transformative mediation and crisis response. Um, we still uh, attempt to, if, if the parties are willing, we still attempt to um, after it's been de-escalated, uh, support both parties. Um, we don't we don't tell them what to do. It's really them coming together and having a conversation. Sometimes it's not possible to have that initiate initial conversation mediation on scene because people are so escalated. However, a lot of times if we're able to de-escalate we can open the opportunity or open the door for the opportunity to schedule a mediation, whether that's the next day or the next week, um, as long as the parties both can, or both or all of the parties consent to that mediation, we can bring them into the center, or we have places in the community that we can provide those mediations as well, just to eliminate any of the barriers such as transportation or, or access and things like that. So yes, we are using transformative mediation. It's just tweaked a little bit different because we're responding to the crises, de-escalating, and then providing that. That makes sense. And I guess, you know, that's the nice thing about the mediation process is that, I mean, it, it is adaptable. And it sounds like, you know, the Dayton Mediation Center, the, the Dayton Mediation Center through the, the Mediation Response Unit has been able to adapt its process to make it work um, for the people that you're serving. That's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It is interesting. And uh, one of my coworkers came up with this great PowerPoint, and I, I could share it with you sometime about how what transformative conflict crisis in field response looks like. And it's great how it's put together because it really does take the crisis intervention theory and principles and practices, combines them with transformative conflict theory principles and practices, and then develop a field response from that. So it's really interesting how it can be um, tailored or how it can be utilized on scene. Yeah, that's interesting. And are you able to talk a little bit more about the types of situations in the field? I think you might have mentioned a couple, um, maybe a couple minutes ago, but are you able to talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So some of, so we've had to expand our call types. We had narrowed it down to just nine different call types, but we've had to expand that a little bit just based on how dispatched identifies or labels calls, as well as we're lo really looking for those conflict-based 
type of calls as long as they're not as and as i mentioned before as long as there's no weapons or history of extreme violence it's something that we can we can respond to so we're talking about things like neighbor disputes roommate disputes noise complaints animal complaints in which there's neighbors I, i'm calling in complaining about my neighbor's dog or whatever animal doing something loitering panhandling uh any type of complaint that involves a juvenile as long as there's not a missing juvenile and or any weapons involved those are types of things that we can respond to and although our primary focus is not mental health we recognize that mental health does affect a, a, a significant um, percentage of the U.S. population. So we know that it's an intersectional piece and we're not going to show up and, oh, well, there's mental health challenges going on here. Peace out. We're not helping here. No, we're not doing that. We recognize that that is a part of it, but that's not our primary pur purpose. We're looking for more of those conflict-based type of, of calls. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I know this program just recently launched. Um, have you gotten any feedback so far in terms of from the community? I mean, how has the MRU been received by the community so far? Oh, Veronica, it has been amazing because, you know, be, prior to us launching, we did a little bit of groundwork in regards to outreach and awareness. So we've be, we've done our soft launch and we were doing we did a soft launch for a number of reasons and soft launch meaning we haven't done a big public launch yet because we're changing a system or a series of systems that's been in place for a while there's a process to that we have to make sure that everybody's trained as far as dispatchers know what to do know how to do that how to get the calls to us operating equipment and things like that so um it's been amazing at how much how positive the community has reacted Oftentimes, we try to give people a call before we arrive on scene just to let them know that we're responding in place of police and everybody, okay, what have you. They don't really say much on the phone, but when we get there, they don't ask questions. They just engage. They really just want to be heard and they want help with whatever situation they have going on. So the, 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 the community, I'm, I'm impressed. We had one gentleman, it was a, a landlord tenant dispute and the landlord actually called 911 back after the call, after we responded and gave us a five-star review. He's like, that program gets a five-star review and they really helped out. We had another community member that had posted on something that we had on social media and said, I found them very helpful. And I know, I think this is a step in the right direction. And um, another neighbor dispute that we had that we responded to was the, the person ex uh, expressly, I'm so glad we were able to get to the bottom of this. We just want our neighborhood to be, to be safe and no nonsense. So those are just a couple of the, the quotes that we've gotten um, in the last week or so from responses that we've been on. Community partners have also been very receptive. Our chief of police is very supportive of our program. So that's a that's a big piece. Um, establishing those relationships and those rapport. And as we move closer to our public launch, more and we are getting out there more and more and really telling the community about about the program and the things that we can offer to the community. 
Yeah, and that sounds like some really great positive feedback. And I mean, I could see this as being, you know, a program that's a really great example and, and one to model for potentially other places, right? Oh, absolutely. We would love once we're, you know, we're up and running, we've got our foundation, it's solid. We're still working out some of those kinks. Usually it takes a newer program about a year, um, year and a half to really solidify all of those things. We would absolutely love just from the six weeks that we've been out, absolutely love for other cities across the nation to catch on to this idea and, and develop programs. And we would love to provide the the framework for that and maybe develop some best practices for mediation in the field type of thing. But we would love to see this happen around the nation. I feel like we could really work on improving positive police and community relations as well as offer those alternatives to marginalized communities. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know you mentioned it a little bit already, but it sounds like the MRU has a public launch that's coming up. Um, are you able to, to talk a little bit more about that? Our public launch means that the city commissioners and media and all of the, the people that um, have been a part of developing the program or, you know, initiating the talks and, and the program and also giving our commission an update um, on how the program has, has gone thus far and really talking. Because if we would have done the public launch in the beginning, we're talking about what we would or could do. Having the public launch after two months or three months of being in service, we can say this is what we've already done and these are the possibilities that we have with con the continuation of this program. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, hey, Raven, this has been, you know, such a great episode. I've really appreciated the opportunity to learn about uh, the Mediation Response Unit and how mediation is being used as an alternate response for those low, low emergent 911 calls. I mean, it just it sounds like a very innovative program. And uh, I'm excited to learn more. I'm excited to um, hopefully see more articles out about like the good work that you guys are doing. I think that's that's awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. And if anyone is, is interested, they can look up some of the information. We have a, a website, DaytonMediationCenter.org, and then there's a backslash MRU for Mediation Response Unit, so people can find more information. Or if someone's interested in, in asking some more questions, they're always welcome to email us. And the email's kind of simple. It's MRU. Remediation Response Unit at DaytonOhio.gov. So if anyone is interested in, in learning more or staying up with the, with the program and how maybe they could implement something like this in their community, we're always open to conversation about that. Well, very cool. And I'll go ahead uh, in our show notes, I'll go ahead and put a link to the Dayton Mediation Center uh, to the Mediation Response Unit website and also that email address you just mentioned. So uh, folks will have that. But um, yeah, like I said, Raven, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Veronica. I appreciate that. All right. And uh, I was going to say too, uh, best wishes as well for the program. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to um, see where this goes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time.
This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.